My name is CJ. I'm the student ministries director here at Fox Valley Church. Um, it's good to be with you guys this morning. I'm going to get a little situated here. Sorry, these glasses make it hard with the microphone. Um, I want to go ahead and apologize to uh, the life shepherds in the room. You guys got sent an email with some questions on Friday for uh, life group discussion. And so um, this has been a... Um, this has been a, um, a very hard week for um, me and my family, and so, um, yeah, I apologize that some of the questions towards the end we didn't quite get to cover yet, so maybe just I would encourage you to, to take some notes, uh, reword some of those questions. I apologize again, but um, I appreciate that you guys will give me grace, so anyway, um, Honestly, I don't even know why I'm standing up here. That was such a good <laughs> word from Kyle that could kind of just be done at this point. Um, but messages on money often can turn us off as we listen, right? For some reason, there's this, there's this thing that puts us off. And so what I want to do is I want to pray for us to receive this well and really hear from the Holy Spirit this morning, um, that he would give us boldness to trust and live out what he puts on our hearts, um, because even if we would call ourselves fit financially, there's always room. No matter what area of our life, there's always room for God to continue to grow us and move us, right? And so um, I just want to pray that God would move this morning in our hearts. And so just let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your goodness to us, Lord. I thank you that you are a generous God who has given us so much. God, I pray that you would give us hearts. Help us to see this morning what it is that you want to speak to us about your heart, about your plan, about your finances, God, and, and that you have a better plan for us. And Father, every person in this room and listening to this message all over the country or wherever, God, that we would uh, not just say, okay, this message isn't for me, or that from all over the spectrum, we would be ready to receive what it is that your Spirit's leading. So I just pray that you would speak through me. God, would you give me your words? Uh, to speak this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let me just say real quick before we get in, um, you know, it maybe you're not in debt, uh, in, in, so the FPU thing, you're like, I'm not sure about that. Well, let me just pose another side of this coin. Uh, maybe you have a heart that sometimes struggles to see that the money and the finances that you have are actually truly God's. Uh, and you kind of have this it's mine, it's mine attitude, it could still be really good to go through FPU. And, and um, the Bible is, is abundantly clear as you read through it. It paints this beautiful picture of God giving everything, that everything we have is his, uh, and how we steward that is his. And so uh, it's really, really helpful whether you're in debt or not. So um, to help kind of paint the picture of where we're going this morning, I want to I wanna try and paint a picture uh, it's the new year, right? And so we're talking about financial fitness. Uh, oftentimes, you know, the number one uh, New Year's resolution is usually getting in shape, right? And so let's assume for a second that you're like me and you need to get in shape this new year, okay? If that were true uh, and you decided to, to go to a gym and hire a personal trainer, I don't think any one of us in this room would think that it would be wise to go to that personal trainer and say, okay, here's the deal. I've got all the workouts planned. I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to get in great shape. Just let me lead this. Let, me, let my plan be the one that I that do, and I'll be in great shape, right? That's stupid because if, if that were the case, you'd already be in shape, right? So you're going to the personal trainer because they know. They have a plan. It might be their gym, their equipment. They're letting you use it. They're teaching you how to use it. They're, they're showing you the plan that will help you get in shape. 
right? We all understand that. And if we're being honest, in a lot of areas of our lives, when it comes to God and our relationship with him, we are totally okay letting him take the wheel, quote unquote, with his plan, right? Like, we pray that God's plan will come to fruition. If you're anything like me, I don't pray that prayer about my finances as often as I pray it in other things, right? Like, I want that to be mine. I've got lots of plans. I've got lots of hobbies, y'all. Hunting and fishing are expensive hobbies, okay? Let me tell you. And I would love to throw more money at that, right? But I want to be a person that prays more and asks God what his plan is. And until we are humbly able to accept what, for example, this personal trainer, that he has a better plan than we do, we'll be missing out on better health and fitness, right? And the same thing goes for our relationship with God and our finances. So this morning we're going to look at how God has a plan for our finances and how we can shift our hearts or how God can shift our hearts to accept and live out that plan. Because uh, it's, it's a heart shift, right? That's, that's what it is. It's, it, it's, it's way more than just a, a head knowledge. It's a, God, I need your heart to be like, to, to go into mine, because I don't want to give up my stuff. Um, before we dive in, though, I'll go ahead and tell you now, we're going to be in Matthew 25, so you can go ahead and turn there, uh, and I'll, I'll let you guys start working on that. Matthew 25, 14 is where we're going to start. Um, before we do that, though, a little context of what's going on, because this is important. Context is important in Scripture. Uh, this is a parable towards the end of Jesus' ministry when he's in Jerusalem. And Jesus is specifically sharing a couple parables here, uh, kind of bookended by two other parables, is the one we're going to look at today. He's sharing a parable about when he comes back. Okay, so this is very important that we understand this, that the parables he's teaching from, uh, and what we're going to see in a second, when he mentions that this master or whatever, the bridegroom in the parable before, goes away, he's talking about when Jesus is ascending into heaven, and then this season with which he's still in heaven now waiting for him to come back, right? So it's, it, it's, it's talking about what's going to happen, what's, what are we looking at when he comes back in our hearts, how is he going to judge the world, right? So it's very important as we move forward into this passage of scripture. So Matthew 25, verses 14 to 27, says this, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back 
with interest. Um, real quick, just to let you guys know, I think this is really cool. It's a baller statement. Uh, some of you guys in your Bibles might have the word talents instead of bags of gold. A talent in, in those days was a measurement. It was a weight measurement of money. That's pretty cool. I, I know that I don't measure my, my, my wealth in, in weight. That's pretty cool, right? Yes, I have 500,000 talents of gold, right? That's a pretty cool statement. Uh, I don't have anything near that, but just so you know, it's the same thing. It's not like, it's not this special word where he's talking about like they have cool, they can do magic tricks and stuff like that. It's not that. It's, it's a measure of gold. Um, all right, so this, is, this isn't overly complicated here, right? Like, this is something that, this is pretty black and white, and a lot of times when it comes to things in the Bible, we like to make black and white issues, gray, purple, yellow, all different types of colors. This isn't. This is just black and white, and it's really simple, and I don't want to overcomplicate it, so that's what we're going to do. Um, the main point of this is found in verse 14 and 15. It is his wealth that he gives to his people, and he has a plan for the money right? It says that the master entrusted his wealth. It's all his. It wasn't the master's, it was, or it wasn't the servant's. It was only the servant's when he came back. And we'll get there towards the end, but that's when it became theirs, the excess that he gave to them. But it was the servant's wealth, and he has a plan. And to be honest, we don't know exactly from this text what this master's plan was. It's fair to assume that he wanted to like invest it and make some more money, right? I think we would all like to make more money if we were investing things, if we had that, if we entrusted our wealth to someone. Uh, that's all something we can do. We don't know exactly what his was, but it's fair, to, like I said, it's fair to assume that it was to be multiplied. Uh, now also, to be fair to the text, I think it would be best to approach in this way. Um, God has given us all treasures, time, talents, and he wants us to use them to accomplish his plan. The reason I say that is because... Um, you know, back in this time, not, is, he's speaking to an agrarian society, right? So, so when we say tithing and giving 10%, that in our minds, that so computes to 10% of my paycheck, right? Like, it's a dollar amount. Well, if, if, if you were a farmer and you didn't have cash, and, which would be weird nowadays to even think about, like, you might need to bring 10% of your goats in, right? Like, that's, that's a tithe that you're bringing to the storehouse. And so, so when we think about our finances, right, or, or we talked about this, this passage, so often we can, we can just look at money, and we are for the sake of this conversation today, because if we're being honest in Western civilization and our society, money rules, right? So like that is how we tend to think. That's how we tend to process. And so we are going to talk about that. But let me just say for a second, students, maybe people that don't have as much money in the room, if you find yourself struggling to get through, what you certainly have is time and talents, actual talents, thing that God has given you, abilities that he's given specifically you that he has a plan for. They're not yours, right? You may have crafted them and honed them and gotten better at them, but he gave them to you. Hopefully you have enough self-awareness to pick out some talents in your life, right? Like I don't have a ton of talents, but dribbling a basketball for me is just kind of natural. Not as natural as some people, mind you, but it just feels natural to me right, like hunting and fishing, those things feel natural. I've, I've developed those. God has given me those talents, but they're his, not mine. They're on loan, and he wants me to use them for his glory. But the main idea here is that it is God's money, and he has a plan for his money that he gives to us. And when he comes back, he's going to judge how he put those things to use for his kingdom. 
See, this is the sticky wicket. This is the thing we don't like. We can talk about God giving and being generous all day, but as soon as I throw that J word out, we're like, oh, no, no, judgment, eh, eh, no, don't talk about that, no, icky. Christians, we cannot read this and come away with any other conclusion that he's going to judge the living and the dead, that he's going to come back and he's going he's to call us into account. It's a part of it. But that's what grace is for, and thank God for Jesus, <laughs> am I right? Like, whoo, amen to that. But the point is here that he's given us things, and he's going to ask us, what'd you do with it? What, what'd you do with those things? Did you, did you advance my kingdom? And so it begs two questions, at least in my mind. The first one is, what is God's plan? And the second one is, how do we shift our hearts to love, I'm sorry, to live out his financial plan? The first question we're going to tackle is, what is God's plan? Also, not complicated. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. I'll give you a second to turn like three pages over. Maybe some of you have the big Bibles, like two pages over. This is Jesus' final words. It's called the Great Commission. It's what like oodles and oodles and oodles of churches base their vision and mission out of because he's given us a very clear command in scripture. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We know this command. We know this. And if we're being honest, I won't speak for you. If I'm being honest, so often I think of this as a command for CJ's mouth, for his hands, for his calendar, right? Like, I should be trying to, to help students live out the Great Commission, to, to teach people to do that, to do it my own life, right? But if you ask me, CJ, how much of your bank account goes towards the Great Commission of making disciples all over the world, I wouldn't be as quick to give you an answer. <laughs> it's not just for missionaries. This is for all believers to give their treasures, time, talents, to advance the gospel to the ends of the earth. I don't often think about how I could harness the finances that God has given me that are his finances to advance his plans. But see, God intends for his people to be set apart by their generosity and that it would be used to draw people to himself. And this is really cool. This is a consistent thing we see in the Old Testament. We don't really have time to dive into all this, but uh, this, this command, right, that, that Kyle talked about earlier, to give the 10%. God had, had made these commands for his, the, the Israelites, his chosen people, to give, to bring money to the temple. And that in doing so, not only would it provide food and shelter or whatever for the priests, but it would also, they would have uh, cyclical things that happened frequently. They would pay off uh, debt forgiveness. They would, pay, they would help people out. They would feed them. They would give money back. Like, there was a design. And by the way, not just to meet the needs of the people, but the design was that God said, I'm going to make you, Israel, a wealthy, prosperous nation so that the people all over the world will look at you and see my hand. There's a design. There's a design. And, and oftentimes we think, well, how can I evangelize? How can I share the gospel? Well, I've got to learn the Romans road. I've got to like, know scripture. I've got to be able to communicate. I've got to find the right moment to do all these things. How often do we say to ourselves how I'm spending and, and being generous and how, how often is that playing into our role of sharing the gospel? Do people look at your life and say, wow, they are so generous. What is that about? In a world that says, me, 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 my, my, don't, I want to take, I want to store this, I want to have all these things, and we give away, 
Is that our hearts? Because that's God's heart. He's a generous God. He gives everything away. He gave his son away. He gives to his, his children. He wants to use our finances to advance his plan to, to, to share the gospel all around the world. And so th- I don't want to get into a ton of details because I believe, and I've, the Lord, if there was nothing else that I didn't feel convicted about this week, is that I want to leave some room for the Spirit to, con- to, to speak to you in your life, where you are, in your finances, and how God's going to move you. And so, but if I will just say this, this idea that we need to be investing in God's kingdom. So tithing, giving, we'll get to that a little bit in a minute, but I'll use this, and, and parents in the room, please give me grace. I'm not trying, no one in this room particularly, I'm just saying I've heard this a bunch, and it's a really good point. Um, parents have, like, zero issue investing in their child's education, in their sports, in their theater, in anything, the list goes on, and they drop thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars over the, the 18 years they have them in their home. Then summer rolls around, and we have one trip that costs a little more than they think it should. We're going to Tennessee. We're going to share the gospel. We're going to serve people. And it's like, you would think that, the, the, like, I just let a bunch of lions out to attack them or something. It's amazing to me. And I, I know I'm not, like, I, I understand. I'm not a parent yet. We will be soon. But, like, it, this is just such a good picture for me, not just for parents, but how believers tend to approach finances, myself included. I want to invest in my fly fishing gear. I'm looking at this great sale, y'all. There's a new rod that's out. I want to buy it. I got, I got hot Christmas money. Like, I got to go. It's just sitting and burning a hole in my pocket. But then I think to myself, okay, if I buy that fly rod, I better be taking someone out with me and talking with them about Jesus, right? Like, like that's fine. Buy the fly rod, but use that time to invest in God's kingdom, whether that's for yourself or whatever. Don't just go out there and Okay, like stand in the water and do nothing. But so often we approach our finances from this lens that, oh, okay, yeah, go to the Bears game. Sure, that, that doesn't make, that's reasonable. 500 bucks, not a big deal. Easy. All these things, buy a brand new car with a lot, sure, what a, not a big deal. We'll do that. That sounds great. We need it, right? We need these things. Ooh, give towards that. Ugh. Uh, we're like really trying to do this over here. We got a car payment. We got a house payment. We just can't really give right now. You have needs? Oh, that's great. Maybe, you know what? You know what I'll do? I will set up a meal train for you. I'll do that. I'll do all the, the background work. But I just can't really give towards that right now. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with setting up the meal train. I'm learning it takes a lot to do that, okay? But you get the point. It's his money. His plan is to be generous, to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, and we should be investing in that. So the second question is, how do we shift our hearts to live out his financial plans? And this is the hard part, right? Uh, Our hearts being changed. And so let me just first say, we can never overstate the power of prayer in transforming our hearts, right? Each and every day, each and every financial decision you make as a family, right? Like, Moms, dads, as you sit down, let me just encourage you. Oh my gosh, please hear me. And I pray, when I say this, y'all, I want you to hold me accountable to this when my little girl gets older, right? Like, I want you to know that. But when you pray about big decisions, bring your kids into the prayer. 
Let them see it. Let them, let them see you modeling this way that we are going to seek God because we know that we want that big, shiny, new thing. But we're going to pray, God, what is your will with this? We need to pray every day, God, will you help me to make better decisions and get on board with your plan financially or whatever in our lives. So I can never overstate the power of prayer when it comes to, to changing our hearts, but it doesn't stop there. So often when we start taking steps towards godly things, our hearts start to realize how hungry we are for them, right? And this is true in my life. When I, when I take a step towards reading scripture, I start to realize all of a sudden my soul's like crying out, like, wow, this is really good. You need this, and I'm hungry for it. This happened for me uh, in worship, and I've encouraged, I've encouraged students, but let me just say, if you're here, and you're, maybe you're like, I don't really know how I connect with worship. Maybe the, you know what, honestly for me, it was like, you know what, I'm just throwing them up. Like, I'm just going to take a step of faith and really try and engage here and trust that if I put my hands up and, and start closing my eyes and singing, singing loudly, even though I have a terrible voice, right? Like, that, that, and all of a sudden I did that, and my hunger for worship grew. There was this moment where we step out in obedience and faith, and God's like, like that fire, and it's there. And y'all, giving is no different. This happened in my life. I was a stingy, stingy person because I didn't have a lot, right? Like, I was a single guy living on my own, playing Xbox all the time, like barely making it by, living paycheck to paycheck. And I got convicted one Sunday morning because the pastor was talking about tithing. And I was like, ugh, I hate when you convict on these things because it's my money. I don't want to give it away. But I took a step of faith and I said, I'm just going to give. I'm going to start doing this. And not just my tithe 10% but I want to give to people that are in need. And I started doing that, and God grew my heart. And I love giving, and I'm, sometimes I'm terrible at it, and I have seasons where I'm not so great, but when I do it, my heart is just like overwhelmed with joy. I love meeting someone's needs because it's just, it's God's heart growing in mine. And so let me just say this. Maybe you really have, a, you want to grow your heart for giving, for being generous, for, for lining up your heart with God's financial plan. Just start taking steps. Maybe it's attending FPU. Maybe it's you just start giving. Maybe it's 5% like Kyle said. I don't know. I don't care. But start taking a step. Maybe it's just praying for once about your financial plans for your life. And I promise you that when we do that, God, when, when, when we take a step to try and honor God every single time, he honors that. He blesses us in that. And it doesn't always look like we think it's going to. It doesn't mean all of a sudden you're going to have 100 Benjamins in your bank account. That's not what it means. It just means that all of a sudden God is stirring. He is so faithful to do that. If you're here and, and, and you're not, you have more questions about this, for the sake of time, I'm just going to move past it. But I would love to chat with you after service. I would love to encourage you to attend FPU. Like, I would love to give more, not that I have a ton of advice or wisdom, but I would love to point you towards some things to get you started and, and pray with you in that. Let me just say this, though, and th this is the coolest part to me. When we talk about finance and talk about giving, I promise you guys, I am not the guy that will stand up here and say, you need to start giving because it's going to help me. I do not care about that. My chief aim is that we would be a church that honors God, that gives him the glory in everything that we do. And when we give back to God, it gives him the glory. And there is a blessing and there is a promise in this passage that we just read. And I want to read it, and it's really, really cool. When we use our time, our talents, our treasures for God and are found to be good stewards, there's a blessing. In verse 21... 
This is the guy that has the five bags, right? So this is Jesus' response, well, the, the master's response. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Also before that, what happens? It says that he settles his accounts. What does that mean? If the master had five bags, settling account means he gets his five bags back, right? So what does the master do with the other five? He gives them to the servant. We get to share in a greater reward in eternity for certain. Like, I have no doubt in my mind, and I, I, I can state very confidently on this stage right here, that when we get to heaven, we will be blown away at the blessing that God throws on us. Like, we won't even be able to comprehend that. And when we get on board with his financial plan and live that out, we are, that is waiting for us. That blessing will be so abundant we can't even imagine. Now, there's blessing that awaits us in heaven, but there's also blessing that awaits us here. I want to talk about that because we don't talk about that enough. 2 Corinthians 9.10 says this, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for the food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge your harvest of righteousness. So let me just paint that in a less confusing tone. When you give, God will not only meet, meet your needs, what you've given, but he will give you more. And then the most powerful thing is that he will grow your righteousness. And let me just say to you, I'm going to step on your toes for a second. If you heard those two blessings and the one you are more excited about is growing your finances, you need to pray this morning for your heart when it comes to your finances. Because if you just heard that God will grow your righteousness and that's not as exciting as this, and if I'm guilty, a lot of times I'm over here, but I want that. I want to be more righteous. I want to be like Christ. I want to be someone that people look at and say, that dude's glowing for some reason because there's something different about him. There's something about his life that is in line with something greater, and I want it. That's what I want. That's what we want. That's what our lives should be about. Not only will he meet our physical needs and, 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 and in time, in certain times, pour out more in the physical realm. Uh, let me just say this too, he also meets other needs. A lot of times we give and, and maybe the money isn't right back in our bank account, but we find joy. Or maybe there's some, some total random thing where you, someone brings you food or something else, but God knows every need that we don't even know that we need. And he can meet them when we give. And he is faithful to do that. Whether we have the eyes to see it or we're willing to see it the way he gives, that's on us. But he is faithful every time to give back to his people when they give. I just want to be clear. In case you somehow heard this this morning, I, I want to like just get rid of this idea. I did not say that God is going to like fill your bank account with tons of money. Okay, That is not what I said. Does he do that sometimes? Yes. Matter of fact, one of the ladies that was in my youth group, she was a volunteer growing up. I love her to death. She's one of the sweetest ladies. Her and her husband, they had wealth. And they felt challenged to, like, outgive God. <laughs> like, like, they could not throw money away, essentially. And it was crazy. Like, she would have, she would invite 60 kids from the youth group into her home and feed them. Y'all, that is a lot. Like, in case you don't know, that's, a da that's like an insurance risk, okay? Like, bringing that many kids into your home and feeding them. Oh, oh my, okay? Anyway, she would do this, and they would give, and they would give, and it was just like, 
man, I, they, they couldn't do it. And then, about five years ago, he lost his job. All of a sudden, the well ran out. And can I just tell you, I have never seen two more faithful people in that moment. It was crazy to me. It was like, you would think, I would think, that because they had so much their whole life, they would be worried and freaking out. But in that moment, they were like, no. We have seen God provide. We've seen him bless. We've seen him do that. And we'll know we'll do it again. Because they were faithful with what God had given them. It was so cool to see. Truth is that we realize that everything we have is God's and we start to use our finances to accomplish the mission of God. We receive blessing upon blessing. God grows our faith. He creates a more righteous heart within us. And God's ability to bless you is not limited to your bank account. We're going to sing a song. Brad and I talked about this a little bit. We're going to sing a song together as we close. It's called The Blessing. Okay? And in the bridge it talks about um, how God's favor is upon his people for a thousand generations and your family and your children and your children. Um, and you know, as I was thinking about this, as we were talking about this song, we have a little baby girl on the way. Man, yeah, that's not it. I'm so excited to hold her, to see her. But you know what? I can't think of any greater blessing. What I want more than anything what I want for her already, I don't even see her yet, is that I want her to see her mom and dad be faithful, to trust God, and that that would spark something in her that she would hold tightly to the cross of Jesus. That's all I want. I don't care if she finds, like, a, a, a sugar daddy. I don't care about anything else right now. Like, I don't. I just want her to love the king. I want her to love him. And I know that if she looks at my life, I want her to see a dad that gave generously because he believed in a generous God because my faith was amplified in my actions. I'm not going to tell her that God is generous and not be generous. I don't care if he ever fills my bank account again. But the joy of getting to hold my little girl when she comes out, I can't wait. And if that's the only blessing I ever get, woo, I'm okay with that but it's not, and we know that. One day we're gonna, those gates are gonna open and we're gonna walk through. And y'all, it's gonna make so much sense. We're gonna be overwhelmed. We're gonna see the majesty and glory of God and the blessing in that moment is just gonna bring us to a place of incredible worship. And so when we sing this song this morning, I wanna challenge us to think and pray and ask God, show me the blessing. And God, we're not going to give because we want you to, to fill our bank account. We want to give because we want to honor the king. We want to give glory to the king. And when we give glory to the king, he never fails in pouring out his blessings. We just need to see him. And so that's what I want to do this morning. I want to pray for us as we sing that we would see the many, many blessings in our lives. Father, I thank you that you are a good and generous God, that you don't call us to be generous when you're not generous, that you have modeled it, that you've mastered generosity, that you, you give and you give and you give, and God, we'll never fully understand how much you give until we get to heaven, and God, I know that when we finally see it, we will be drawn 
to praise and worship the King because we could never not do that. And Father, I just pray for our church that you would transform our hearts each and every day, each and every week, every year, that we would put ourselves under the microscope and say, God, how can I grow in my financial planning this year? How can my heart be more like yours this year? And God, that we would be a church that is generous, that people would look at Fox Valley Church, the people that attend our body and say, they are a generous people who love God. And God, in that prayer, when we're obedient and generous, Father, I just pray that you would continue to pour out your blessing. God, I could sit up here for about an hour right now and just rattle off the blessings. Even during COVID, God, you've blessed this church so many ways. It's ridiculous. You've been so faithful. You've blessed your people. God, people have lost jobs and you've given them better ones. God, we've prayed that you would protect us and you have. You've been so good. So this morning as we sing, would you just bring us, give us a glimpse of heaven. Give us a glimpse of the blessing that is waiting for us. And God, help us to see Help us be grateful for the blessings that are in our life right here, right now. So, Father, we love you. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.